and we're working towards the end of it. If, if you've been with us uh, so far, what we're trying to do is we're trying to put language behind biblical discipleship. So if you are a part of Elevate Christian Church, we're trying to just give a blanket statement of what it looks like if you want to further your discipleship unto Jesus. Um, so just a real quick recap what we've done so far. We've done two weeks. This is week three. Next week, week four will be the last one. Uh, this is what we said so far. A disciple is a person who is chosen by a rabbi to follow him. Um, so in, in modern, or modern terms, this was somebody who is what we would call maybe like an apprentice of what we would understand. So somebody who uh, is chosen into a certain trade and they just learn everything there is about their teacher. So a, rabbi, or a disciple was no different. If somebody was chosen, their main goal was to become just like their rabbi. Um, so they would spend around uh, like 10, 15 years just following this person around. And Jesus' uh, way of doing this was ex the exact same thing. He, he went to different people around his area, and he went to them and said the words, do you want to follow me? I will make you fishers of people. And that would have been some of a term that would have been used with the rabbis of that time. But different from Jesus, from everybody else, was he invites everybody to be his disciple. That he looks amongst the crowd and says, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross and follow me. That was a, that was a common term. So this is what we have said. There are three goals. If we want to be disciples of Jesus, we, we need to reorient our entire life around these three things. So week one, or week two, last week we talked about this, is if you are a disciple of Jesus, you need to first is to be with Jesus. This, uh, uh, the number two goal is to be like Jesus, and then the third goal is to do what he did. Last week we talked about if you want to be with Jesus, you need to practice being in the presence of God. What Jesus called abiding um, or making a home with the Holy Spirit is something that we need to learn how to do. One person said that we need to be connected to the Spirit at all times, almost like being at two places at once. That if you go into any situation, Jesus is a part of that, connected through the Holy Spirit. And the reason you start with being with Jesus, being in the presence of Jesus, is because there is healing and transformation that needs to take place whenever you enter into that discipleship process. Whenever you decide to be a Christian, the very first thing that we need to do is we need to be healed in many different ways. And if that sounds great to you, or if you're highly confused at this moment, you're welcome to go back and listen to the past two sermons. They'll give tons more language behind what I'm trying to say here. Uh, but this week, we are entering into the next phase of that. So last week was to be with Jesus. And this phase of this week is to become like Jesus. In Luke 6, uh, 39 through 40, it says this, He also told them this parable. This is the shortest parable you'll ever read in the Bible. It says this, Can the blind lead the blind? Well, obviously not. But this is what he has to say about that. Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. 
This is the shortest parable that you will find Jesus ever talk about or ever say. But it, but it comes with a great backing of information. It comes with a great punch. There's just a few notes that we have to talk about. This whole parable is about discipleship. And he mentions in this that if you have a student or if you are a student, you're a disciple, the one thing that you cannot be is greater than your teacher. That the teacher, whenever they pass down information to you, you cannot go above them because you're just going to learn everything about your teacher. So he says that can the blind lean the blind, mentioning if you have a bad teacher, then you are being led not in a great way. And if you've read the disciple, if you read the Gospels in any way, you've, you might have realized that some of the teachers of that time, uh, he kind of calls them phony teachers or moving in the wrong direction, and they, are, and they are gathering their disciples and leading them in a direction that is not good. But if you've read, read the Gospels further on, you will realize that training and, and the disciples that li- were so close to Jesus slowly became more like him. They slowly became able to do the things that Jesus did, and Jesus slowly pushed them to do the things that he did as well. But Jesus gives a glimpse into what a discipleship looks like in this moment, and also gives that there are phases in that as well. That it is possible to not be trained at all. It is also possible potentially to not be fully trained either, maybe be partially trained as well which means that there are steps to this discipleship process. What it doesn't mean that if you go to church and you like it, and then you get baptized, you declare with your mouth, you do all the steps that you've heard over this entire time of you being a Christian, you get dunked in water, you receive the Holy Spirit, and then immediately you are fully trained and you have no sin in your life and you're just ready to go. And if you've lived 15 minutes after being, after being baptized, you realize that that's not the case. Like, you are not a perfect human, even though how much we want to be that. There are steps and in intentional training that follow, when, when following your rabbi. 2 Corinthians three sixteen through 18 says this, but, who, but whoever turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Transformation is a very common thing that Jesus talks about. Transformation is a very common thing that Paul talks about to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, you'll realize that, that transformation is something that the Bible talks about often. See, transfer, transformed in this, it comes from the Greek word metamorphou, which we get the modern term metamorphosis. Metamorphosis, if, you've, if you took any science class, is basically from take, taking from going from one state to the other, and it's commonly referred to like the caterpillar to the butterfly um, project in that, where you, where you watch and you put a caterpillar in a cage and you watch the steps. They slowly are transformed from one thing to another. So my question is, what Jesus is talking about, to be transformed, is it actually possible to be transformed into the image of Jesus. Like, I, I want you to think about that for a second. Is it possible? 
can we be transformed into the person of Jesus, into the image of Jesus? You know, after, after I repent, after I'm baptized, after I'm given of, of my sins, salvation is placed in me. Is it just I'm supposed to be who I am until I die? And I will receive my reward in heaven and, and be with him forever and there'll be no more pain, crying, and all the things that you read about in Scripture? Or is it actually possible to be changed into the image of Jesus on this earth and to live in what Jesus calls the good life? See, I believe it is possible to do that. And here's how we can do it. It is done through a slow process of spiritual formation. John Mark Comer in his recent book said this, if spiritual formation is simply the way the human spirit or self is formed into definitive shape, for better or for worse, then spiritual formation is the way of Jesus, is how each of us is formed to be like Jesus, and in doing so, to be our deepest, truest self, the self that God had in mind when he willed us into the existence before time began. With all of that in mind, the working definition of spiritual formation that I can tell is this. And when I've read all of these books about the, the, these theologians over the past 100 years and, and commentaries, this is the definition that they give. Spiritual formation is the process of being formed into people of love in Christ. The disciples of that day would have been seen following Jesus around doing what he would have done. They would have been with him all throughout, making sure that they ate where he ate. They talked to the people that he talked to, healing the people he healed and showing love to the people that he'd showed love to. And being loved by him was one of the most important things. Healing a lot of people and going through that process, but starting the next phase of putting themselves into the position of the Holy Spirit to be f- so that formation could take place. Yes, being with Jesus was one of the most important things and probably one of the most difficult things at first, giving up their entire life to be with him. But over time, after spending time with him, transformation you see as the story goes on starts to take place. How many of you guys have, gr- have grown up or lived in Lexington your entire life, or mo- the majority of your life? There's a few of you. Well, I want to tell you about something. Some of you guys live this, but if you go about 10 miles down the road from Lexington, I didn't know this place existed growing up. I grew up in Lexington. There's a little town called Nicholsville, and some of you guys live in there, or some of you guys drive through Nicholsville uh, to get there. If you drive down Harrisburg Road, you will eventually just kind of bypass this little town that was a- a- originally called a bypass town, and they created a bypass so that you could bypass the bypass town. Uh, so you might not even know you're in Nicholasville. Um, but I've lived there uh, quite a, a long time, and I've realized that environment, the situation that you put yourself in, has a lot to do with your fa- formation in life. See, the people of Nicholasville are just a little different than the people of Lexington, I realize. They have different jobs. They have uh, different hobbies. They even dress just a little bit different. Uh, if you ingrain yourself in Nicholsville culture, you'll probably end up eventually owning a pair of boots, whether you wear them or not. 
Uh, you, will, you will want to grow a beard. I can't grow a beard, but I want to. Uh, you, and you will start to start desiring for some reason to own just a little bit of a piece of land than maybe a quarter acre. Whether it will happen or not, it is in the back of your mind. You want to live on that. And then all of a sudden, hunting seems a little more enjoyable for some reason. Whether you hunt or not, the desire might be there and you don't know why. And then over time, you will also have this desire to own to transition your vehicle into a truck. I'm not saying this from experience by any means, but my point is that environment, whether you want to or not, I want a beard so bad, I can't grow one. Exactly, I'm sorry. You will not see me try either. It doesn't look good. But if you put yourself in an environment, whatever that environment is, that it will unintentionally form you for better or for worse. And all of these things are connected to the environment that, that you have put yourself in. There is unintentional formation that will happen in your life. There are three things, and if you put up that graphic, please, of unintentional formation, that your environment through narrative, habits, and relationship over time will form you into something if you are not paying attention. There is a natural flow to this in seasons of where you live. That if you live in Lexington, you will eventually be ingrained in UK basketball or football, arranging your fall schedule around that to make sure you don't miss the games. If you have kids playing sports, you arrange your life around those, making sure that those are priority. If you're part of a group or any social settings, those things will be in there as well. And if you have a Stanley Cup, you've already been ingrained far more than you think. Environment is coming in the direction towards you and you just don't realize it. So my question is that if you are a disciple of Jesus or if you desire to be a disciple of Jesus and you put yourself on this path, then there is something that you need to, be, you need to consider. I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about transformation. That do you actually want to be formed into the loving image of Jesus? And that is a big question that you need to consider. That when Jesus says you need to take up your cross, die to yourself, and be transformed into him, this is something that you need to consider. That formation into the image of Jesus isn't something necessarily that we do, but it is something that is done to us if we are intentional by God himself as we yield to his work of transforming grace. And our job in this is mostly to make ourselves available and you can pick your analogy in this. If you've read the Bible, it's, it's we, uh, he is the shepherd, we are the sheep. Uh, we are the clay, he is the potter. Uh, we are the child in utero, and, and he is the mother, laboring in pains of childbirth. This doesn't mean that we are off the hook by any means, where some people say you need to let go and let God. I'm not saying that. We have a responsibility to, to cooperate in the transforming of God's grace that we won't be forced into anything. Much of Christians' disillusionment over their lack of transformation is basically because they don't know where their part is in the transformation process connecting with the Holy Spirit. See, our job isn't to self-save. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot transform ourselves no matter how much we try. We cannot transition ourselves or transform ourselves into Jesus just by thinking about him or putting ourselves in a situation. It is to surrender our life. 
Richard Foster, um, a hero of mine, wrote one of the most um, um, just common practice books, and every person who went to Bible college had to read this. It was the author of Celebration of Disciplines. And what he said, after traveling the world for his entire career, teaching the spiritual disciplines, he lovingly concluded that most people had no theology of spiritual growth. That he was struck by the, the ignorance of people who have, tr- have tried to do transformation, but just could not. He said this with zero judgment uh, and only grief, I believe this. Very few people have even been that deeply or deeply ingrained in it at all. As a result, as people not trying to transform their life through the loving nature of Jesus, these are people's theories of change. Number one, it is we have become more unconscious about it than, than conscious. We've, we've gone through it more haphazardly uh, than intentional. Uh, it, we have gone through more secular transformation than spiritual transformation. And, the, and we've mostly been ineffective by it than transformational. And the fallout of this, and I'll see if you got, any of you have, can relate to this, in the Western church, this is the fallout of us not transform, transforming our lives into the nature of Jesus. This is what he said. He had four things. He said, churches are full of people who are Christians but are not apprentices or disciples of Jesus. A widespread cancer of hypocrisy that has affected, infected the church where the gap between Jesus' teaching and people's day-to-day living, including those of many pastors, are too great to be explained away graciously. A, genera- a generation of people disillusioned with the faith with a million millennials leaving the church year after year and many even giving up on following Jesus entirely, looking instead to quasi-scientific therapeutic strategies of self-help or Eastern religion as more promising opinions for salvation, options of salvation. And number four, many who quietly ache for more of God and his transformation but feel stuck on their spiritual journey and block on their growth. I don't know if any of you all feel that you can connect with any of those things. That either you've watched your friends walk away from the church, whether you, that you ache for God and you want to be in his presence more, but you just don't feel like, how do I do that? I feel like I'm the exact same way that I am once I got baptized. And there are three pitfalls that he mentions of why the church has fallen into this thing. The first one is the church has kind of pushed like willpower. Like, you can do it, just keep trying, you can do it, keep trying, and eventually you will just become, or you will get over this situation, or the grief will go away, or the anxiety will go away, or the fear will go away. Just keep trying, and it will happen. The second thing is that we have pushed Bible study over everything, which Bible study isn't bad. I love Bible study. I'm going to lead a Bible study. This Drew leads a Bible study. People leave Bible studies. My wife leads Bible study, which starts next week, so make sure you sign up for that. Uh, Brownie points. The, so Bible study is not bad, but it, it is instead of people are going through certain situations, what we have done is just like, here, just do, go do more Bible study, and it will fix all of your life, which we've, we've seen is not true. And the last one is what he, he calls the zap from heaven, 
which is if, you don't, if you're not feeling God, just put yourself in a situation uh, where you feel something, whether that's going to a concert, a Christian concert, or uh, turning up the volume in church, or, or going to listen to a preacher that you really like, and just kind of getting this emotional feeling or spiritual high over and over again just to put yourself on the right direction. Now, all of these things are not bad. They, some of them are good. We need willpower. You need to do things. You, the church needs more Bible study. I, I do believe that. And you need to put yourself in a position where you can feel the grace of God. Those are all really important things. But none of them will transform you into the image of God. I know this because there are moments whenever we read the books and, and, and about time management and when you read books about this is, this is going to change your life or you go to Bible study and, and at, after all of this you still feel stuck in your faith over time. And the reason for that is because it, it takes intentional spiritual formation to become formed in the image of Jesus. 2 Corinthians three sixteen through 18 says this, But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, we read this earlier, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into the image of ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Paul, in this, in this book, in this letter, shows that contemplation is the main way to transition or transform yourself into becoming the image of Jesus. Contemplation means to gaze or behold. To contemplate the Lord's glory is, the direct, is to direct the inner gaze of your heart at the Trinitarian community of love. As the psalmist David, King David, put it, is to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. To the degree we do so, we are transformed into his image, meaning we become like what we gaze at. Whatever you gaze at, whatever your heart desires, is what you'll become. If we gaze upon the, the Lord, we will become like Jesus. With ever-increasing glory, meaning we will become more and more beautiful like Jesus over time through simple daily contemplation. One theologian or person said this, we are what we contemplate. Psychologists' basic rule of thumb is that we are loving to the degree that we have been loved. Meaning, uh, if, if your parents, if you had great parents, and they loved you, and that is all the love you've ever known, you can only love your kids to that degree. So if you had great parents and great loving parents, you're going to love your kids really well, or at least you know how to love your kids really well. And if you struggled with that, if you did not have loving parents, then you will struggle to love your kids because you can only go as high as your parents loved you. But what I've learned and what, what psychologists realize, Christian psychologists, is that we cannot love people to the degree that Jesus loved, loved people unless we transform our hearts to the loving nature of Jesus. We cannot learn how to love like Jesus. We cannot read our Bible to, to learn to love more like Jesus. We need to put ourselves through a situation to be transformed in the image of God so that we can love people the same way that Jesus loves others. This is why, this is why 
in certain situations, if you look at this new uh, diagram here, that if we want to be transformed, if we have it, intentional, yes, there it is, intentional discipleship over our lives, that with partnership through the Holy Spirit, that if we put ourselves in the position and contemplate through teaching, practice, and community, and we take this seriously over time, we can be transformed into the nature of Jesus. That teaching, practice, and community over time in partnership with the Holy Spirit can help us become more like Jesus. The very first one is teaching. Real quick, we have the ability to hold crazy things in our mind. The image, the images that do not exist. You know, last week I, I talked about how the reason I knew that you cannot learn yourself into becoming more like Jesus is because after studying the Bible for many, many years and knowing what the Bible says and knowing what Jesus says, when I go into times of solitude, I still think bad. I still think of bad thoughts. For some of us, we get anxious, we get angry, we think about the person who wronged us, and you know that you just cannot think yourself, but we do know one person that loves to put things into our mind to just divert us into certain situations. In, in, in the Garden of Eden, we see that the very first thing that moved people away from God was a simple idea. It wasn't this great teaching or this lecture that, that came up where the devil sat down Adam and Eve and, and gave them a three-part sermon on how they were going to remove themselves from God. No, it was just a simple idea. So teaching is very, very important that if we contemplate or put our whole body in the position to, to absorb the right materials that over time, that is the thing that's going to be in the forefront of our mind. So doing things like reading scripture, memorizing scripture, Bible study, see Bible study, it's important, listening to sermons, podcasts, reading books, meditation, to just name a few, is so important in your life. What you consume or what you contemplate in your life is what you become. So if you watch bad movies, if you listen to bad, bad people, if you listen to bad advice, you know, just name whatever, eventually those ideas will be planted in your mind. Paul in, in Romans 12, 2 said, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And through that, and through that the, the, second, the second thing is to put yourself in a position where you can practice. You can practice these things. And the differentiation that we need to understand here is that it's more about training than trying. And this is pr very, very important to understand. For example, who are my running people? Nobody. Okay, Alyssa, perfect. Oh, Patrick, I'll do Patrick. You haven't been here in a while, so there we go. Uh, Patrick, for example, I, you are a good runner. You said that you can run a mile in six minutes. I hate cardio. I haven't done cardio since college. I think the devil created cardio. But knowing that, if I wanted to run a marathon, I haven't ran in 10 years, 12 years. If I wanted to run a marathon today and I get on the starting line and I go, what would happen to me? I would die. That's what happened. <laughs> I scrubbed the bathroom for five minutes yesterday, like the floors, and I had to sit down for 10 minutes. Like, I would die. I, I know that that would happen. If I tried to run a marathon, 
and then I, and, and I just fail like a mile in, and, but, and then tomorrow I try again, I will never get better. I will just keep failing. But what if, what if I wanted to run a marathon by the end of the year, and then I slowly increase my time, how much I ran every day? So the first three days I run uh, six minutes, the next day I run seven minutes, and then I take a break, let my body recoup, and then I, I practice and practice and practice. Hopefully, by the end of the year, I would be able to run a marathon. See, it takes practice. It doesn't take trying. It takes training, not trying. The key distinction here that we need to understand, to, to imitate the image of Christ is something that writers encourage, which is practice. In Matthew 5, we see the start of the Sermon on the Mount. If you've been with us through uh, the Gospel of Matthew, we're like halfway through the Sermon on the Mount. It's taking us forever. But what you see is that Jesus is encouraging at the end of Matthew 7 to put these things into practice. He doesn't expect you to be perfect at them at the very beginning. And, And actually, he talks about things that he thinks that you're going to struggle with. He thinks you're going to struggle with relationships. He thinks you're going to struggle with anger and with lust and and to deal with money and so much more. And by the end of his sermon, he says, look, if you put these things into practice, that if anything happens in your life, you will be able to stand strong because you have practiced these things. When things happen in your life and it's difficult and you just try to do it, you will probably fail. But if you practice slowly over time, When the time comes, you will be able to perform just like Jesus did. And the last thing is this, community. None of these should be things that you do by yourself. If you've been in a church before and you felt disconnected, there's a good chance that your spiritual formation or where where you felt close to Jesus or you'll be able to perform like Jesus has probably not exceeded very far. You've probably felt discouraged in your faith, and the reason is because community is the center, one of the centers of everything that we do. In Acts 2, you see that uh, the, the early Christians devoted themselves to the apostle teaching, they devoted themselves to loving each other, they devoted themselves to taking care of the poor and the widow, but everything that they did, and they, t- they, they gave up things for each other, everything that they did, they did in community. They did not do anything by themselves. And it's very important. And even though it is the hardest thing to do, because most of us, if you think of how you became broken or discouraged or you felt pain in your life, most of the time that revolved around some sort of relationship. Even though it is the most hard thing to do, it's the deepest and most difficult thing to do, it is the most rewarding thing as well. It's the thing that gives you most joy in your life, and it is the thing that allows you to put things into practice, to revolve yourself around teaching, because you are encouraged by the people sitting to your left and to your right to become more like Jesus, and you're not trying to do it by your own willpower. That all of this, through partnership of the Holy Spirit, to help you continually abide into Jesus, the vine, will continue to produce in you the good fruit. Now, this might all seem overwhelming. Or last week, whenever you, we talked about just being with Jesus, just staying just a little bit longer with him to receive healing. And if you're still w- there, good. Stay there. Do it in community. Talk about it with your community groups. Talk about it with your friends. 
talk about abiding into the vine and being with Jesus. And if you, are, if you have moved and you're like, okay, I'm ready for the next step. Here's the good and bad news. Becoming like Jesus is hard, is slow, and the worst part is we are not in control. There's no perfect app. There is no five-step guide to fix your life and become more like Jesus. There is no perfect format that will make you like Jesus in six months, and if you're not, then you'll get your money back. That does not exist. Discipleship to Jesus is up to you partnering with the Holy Spirit, giving up your life, and through time, a very slow process, a very slow process, through the Holy Spirit, to become more like Jesus. John Mark Homer in his most recent book said this, something approaching Christ-likeness is possible in this life. It really is. We can be healed, we can be set free of broken patterns and stretched back, that stretch back generations. We can be transformed into people who are genuinely per- pervaded by love and joy and peace. Our souls can throb with bliss of union with God. Our bodies can become temples, our neighborhoods holy ground, our days, eternity and time, our moments, miracles. All in good time. But for now, the master calls us is simple. The, master, the master's call is simple. To follow me. I'm not sure where you are in your discipleship process or if discipleship in general is new to you. You might have been taught your entire life that all you need to do is be baptized and then you will just live your life in in hopes that you enter into heaven and you receive eternal life and all of the pain and anguish of this world will go away and then you will be able to rest, which is true. But I do also believe that the majority of what Jesus calls us into is us living a life and being transformed into the person of love. That you are able to receive transformation now. You are able to receive peace in this lifetime. You are able to receive joy in this lifetime. You are able to be a part of a community and have best of friends and live life together. You are able to receive all of these things in your life but we need to participate in it. We need to give up our life and follow him so that eventually we become more like him. Next week, we are going to end our series, what, what the last part of the discipleship process, which is to do what he did. And just to give a little sneak peek is eventually Jesus says in his disciples, hey, let me do this with you. And then over time, he says, hey, I want you to go do what we just did, and I'm going to sit back and watch, is what we're going to talk about. But as we go out throughout our day, as the beginning of the year, if you have any questions about the discipleship process, if this is just foreign to you, that is okay. If you feel discouraged in any way, that's okay. Don't be discouraged. I talked to one person uh, this week about it, and this person said that I, I have felt discouraged because anytime I go into prayer and silence and solitude with Jesus, my mind gets diverted, or I get distracted, or I want to turn on music, or I want to take out my phone and start scrolling uh, uh, just over and over again. 
And in, in our encouragement and what, in what uh, Dallas Willard talked about is that don't be discouraged in your discipleship process if your mind starts to wander. Just take it as a joyful effort that anytime your mind wanders, you have the ability to turn your whole body back to Christ in grace, which is like the greatest joy ever. So if, as we go out throughout this day, Jesus, God, I pray that you open, you open our hearts up to so many different things in our life. God, I do believe that you have called us to give up our life, to, to take up our cross and follow you, to become more like you. God, in this discipleship process, it is difficult. Because we read all these books and we listen to all these sermons, we sing all these songs, we go to church every single week, and at, and at the end of the week, sometimes we feel that we are the same as we were two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago. We still struggle with the exact same things. But God, I pray for every single person here that we don't become discouraged, but through community, we just march one step forward every single day, maybe every single week or every single year, just more to become more like you. God, I pray that we, over time, just remember that for now, no matter what's going on in our life, your command is simple, which is just to follow your son. As our hearts are transformed, I pray that we bring other people along, that we spread the good news of Jesus, that it is possible, that it is possible to receive salvation and go to heaven and spend eternity with you. That everybody has the ability to be loved, and to love others the same way that Jesus did. God, transform our hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us throughout this week. God, you are so good. And I ask this all in your son's name. Amen.